And Sunday before last, we began a sermon series preaching on having a life that is put together. Having a life that is put together. We saw in the Gospel of John where Jesus was speaking to those He loved. And He told them in His heart, He says, I want you to have life. And He spoke of salvation. He said, I want you to have eternal life. I want you to know that you're going to heaven. I want you to have your sins forgiven. He says, I want you to have life. And then He made the statement. He says, I want you to have it more abundantly. And He says, not only do I want you to be saved, he says, but while you're here on this earth, he says, guess what? I want you to have a good life. He says, I want you to enjoy your family and I want you to enjoy the job that you do. And he says, I want you to be happy with where you live. He says, I want you to have the life that is abundant. And we began talking about that abundant life and began to look at the scriptures and examining where was that illustration? Where is the pattern to have a life that is all put together. To have a life to where you can look at someone and say, you know what, they've got it together. They've got a great job. They seem happy there. Uh, They've got a great family. Seems like husband and wife get along. The kids, they're behaving. Man, even the dog behaves. I mean, they've got it together. And we look at lives today and then we compare them to our own and say, man, I wish I had that. I wish I was happy at my job like they are. I wish I were happy in my marriage. I love my spouse, but you know, we're just not as happy as they are. I wish that something were different. Many of us, we want to have a life that's put together for honest. Uh, we want to have a life that we enjoy. and We want to have a life that is blessed of God. And when people look at it, it's evident that God's fingerprints are all over our life. Well, where do we find that pattern? We began to teach and we began to preach. And uh, we said, well, surely somebody in the hall of faith. And we began to go through that list. We looked at Abel. Well, let's just say Abel was the first guy to get killed. Didn't want to be Abel. He wasn't the pattern. We went down and said, Noah. Noah had to build a boat. And there wasn't a Home Depot down the road. There wasn't a load. Have you ever thought about the story of Noah? 120 years to build a boat, three football fields long and three stories tall. He didn't have a crane, he didn't have a dump truck, and he had three boys who probably complained the entire time. Didn't, Noah didn't have it all together. I said, how do you know? Because what happened after the flood? He planted a vineyard and we see him passed out. Now I don't hold that against Noah. If I had to be stuck in a boat with all those animals and my wife... God, I love you, baby. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that with Noah's wife, what I meant to say. Not my wife. I'd be glad to be stuck in the bow with you. All the way, baby. <laughs> I'm off my game, people. It's been a long, it's been a, it's been a rough week. <laughs> we said, well, Noah doesn't have it all together. We thought about Moses, and we knew he was a murderer. We looked at Abraham, and we know that he and Sarah had conflict and trust issues. We went through and we saw Jacob, and his home life was just a disaster. We looked at Isaac, and Isaac was a workaholic who didn't really care much about his kids. And where's the example of a life put together? Where's the example of somebody who they had a good marriage and their kids were turning out okay? And uh, where's an example? And we realized that because of sin, life is drastically harder. And because of that original sin, prior to that sin, we see God created a format of a life that was all put together, and it was found in Adam. That when God gave Adam life, he gave him a place. He gave him a job. He gave him a family. And for an unknown amount of time, Adam had a life that was all put together. 
as we began to look at having this life, we said, well, what are the elements of it? Because I don't know about you, I want to enjoy my life. I'm 35 years old, and uh, Lord willing, I'll have 35 more to go, and I want them to be good. I want to enjoy what I do. I want to have a great time with my wife and stop saying illustrations like I did just a moment ago so I could have a good relationship. <laughs> now, that one was an accident, I promise. That's not how that was supposed to come out. <laughs> I promise, man, <laughs> for this congregation. <laughs> that one just came out wrong, Josh. I want to have that life that when people look at my life, they see God's fingerprints. When they look at my life, they see a happy marriage. When they look at my life, they say, you know what? That, that guy enjoys what he does. He, he's happy. And when God looks at my life, you know what? He wants the same exact thing. He wants to look at my life and say, you know what? He's got an abundant life. Well, the very first thing we saw is in Genesis 2. We're going to go back there and we're going to read. And I'm just going to, for a moment, uh, remind us of what we said week before last and then look at a new truth. Because life, having a life that's put together consists of four elements. The very first element is having a face-to-face relationship with God. Look with me at Genesis chapter 2 and uh, we'll begin in verse 1 and we'll read down and through verse 7 for a few moments and then we will read some more uh, to build on today's thought. The Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all of his work which God created and made. Verse 4. Now God's going to remind us of day 6. He's going to give us a little more detail on day six. So he concludes everything in the first uh, three verses. He says, hey, it's all done. I'm finished. He says, but let me give you a little bit more of the detail of man and his creation that I didn't give you in chapter one about day six. And now he's going to give us more. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day. This is the sixth day that we're going to look at. That the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground, and the Lord God formed man. And we looked at this last week. That word formed is to shape and to form and to mold as a potter with clay. He says, and he formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And last week we saw the importance of, uh, assist me real quick, Brother Caleb. Uh, We saw that instead of man being formed length wise down and God lording over him, God shaped him as a potter does going from the bottom up, that when God completed man, man, I don't think man was taller than God, bend down, (laughs) right there, that man was eye to eye, face to face with God, so when God breathed into him, the breath, does that hurt, that looks awkward, (laughs) you afraid I was going to breathe on you? <laughs> he breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You can stand back up. They started with a face to face because you know what? God doesn't want to lord over. 
God doesn't want to be a master servant. You know what God wants? He wants to be a father and a son. Father, daughter. He wants to love, to nurture, protect, provide for his people. So when God began this whole thing, he didn't begin as a man on his back, down and out. He began a man upright. And man by the choice of sin went down. Man by the choice of own desire went down. But in the beginning, when he had it all together, they were face to face. And God was okay with that. And so he saw that God formed man. And if we're going to have a life that's all put together, the first element is we've got to get back to the face-to-face relationship with God. We've got to begin to walk with God as Enoch did. We need to begin to have fellowship or communion with God as Abraham did. We need to know God on a more intimate level. The more we get to know Him, the greater we find that He is. The sweeter, the more loving, the more protective, the more powerful. And all of a sudden, instead of being God who's way up here, All of a sudden, he's one that we have sweet communion with, we walk with. That's God's desire even now. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open to me, I will come into him and sup with him, it says. Guess what? He says, I want to sit across from you face to face and break bread. He says, I want a face to face relationship with my people. Thank you, Adam. You may be seated. What's the second element? To have a life that's put together, not only do we need to have a face-to-face relationship with God, but let's read a little bit further, and we will find to have a life that's put together, we need to have a purposeful work life directed by God. A purposeful work life directed by God. I want you to listen as we read beginning in verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden. And Eden, that word in the Hebrew means paradise. So this place was unlike any other place on the planet. God didn't put his creation in just some little garden. He put it in paradise. And I want you to think about it. This is paradise from God's terms. God who created heaven, God who created all things, God who lives in the glorious and grandeur. He says, I put my creation, I put my son in paradise at God's standards. Can you imagine what paradise is at our standards and then amplify it to an unimaginable account? I bet there were Dunkin' Donut trees in the garden. Hallelujah. Dunkin' Donut, nothing. Peggy Ann, hallelujah, glory. Read on. I forgot where we are. I got hungry. Verse 12, we'll just read from there. And the gold of that land is good. There is Bedalium and Onyx stone. The name of the second river is Gihon. The same as that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hittikel, which is to go toward in the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God, now what you listen to this is important, took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet. We're going to stop right there this morning. And as we look at the scriptures, we saw that Adam, will you help me again, Adam? He had a face-to-face relationship with God, and God's going to give him a life that's all put together. You know, we go out there trying to find this and trying to have that, and God's sitting here, he brings it all to Adam. I kind of like that. 
Well, God says to Adam, he says, you know what, Adam, my son, I love you. I want you to come with me. I want to take you somewhere. And he takes him to Eden. He introduces him to this garden. He says, Adam, this is yours. Every tree you can eat of, every part of this place you can enjoy, this is paradise that I have created for you. Adam, this is it. He says, Adam, you just got to do two things for me. You need to dress it. That's to take care of it. That's to take care of the property. He says you need to keep it. That is to guard it, protect it. Why? Because God knew about the serpent. And so God says, that's all you have to do. I want to time out right here. Okay. Guess what? From the very beginning, having a life put together, God intended man to work. Work is not a bad word. Young people, work is not a dirty word. Now, the work can be a little dirty. But you know what? You need to learn to work. You need not be scared of work. You know what, Connor? You need help take out the trash. And Connor, you know what? You can learn to wash dishes. Hey, Josh, guess what? You can learn to change the oil in the car and vacuum it out and wash it. And whatever else your dad says to do. I'll call him and give him some ideas. You know what? You can do things. You can work. You can rake leaves, mow grass, run a weed eater. Back when I was growing up, we didn't need a fidget spinner because we weren't allowed to fidget. <laughs> there was too much to do. Oh, you hear someone say, oh, I'm bored. We learned not to say that in where I came from because we didn't have these little vacuums that you just hang on the wall and just... Ours had this big tank that you pulled behind everywhere. So half the time I'd be vacuuming, my little sister would be riding on the back of it. Yes. So we learned not to say, you know, work's not a bad thing. You know what? When God created man with a life that was all put together, he gave him purposeful work. Purposeful work. If you go online and you go to the peer research review group and they do all the statistics, they say 70% of Americans, they don't like their job. They don't, they don't see the purpose in what they do. They said their job is just a means to an end of getting money. You know, for Adam, he didn't have to worry about that. What did he need money for? He had everything he needed. But God still gave him work. This morning, I want you to see a couple important things about the work that we do. Because, you know, we can joke about work and we can talk about the jobs that we have. And we can look at the career paths that we're on and say, man, I, I love what I do. Today's a special day for me because July 16th, 1996, God called me to be a preacher. When I was 14 years old, this, uh, this day, it was a Wednesday back in 96, and that Wednesday night, God got a hold of my heart and said, you know what, I want you to be a preacher. So here I stand before you preaching about work, and my work is what God created me to do, and I love every minute of it. Uh, it is awesome to me. I, I'm enthralled with what I do. But you know, as God gives us work, he wants us to realize it's not to be a negative thing. It's not to be a drudgery thing. Nobody likes Mondays, do they? Poor Monday. Monday is the most dreaded day on, of the week. I was born on a Monday. You ever get curious about things? It's like, man, I wonder what day I was born. I asked my mom. She goes, I don't know. She goes, I had other things on my mind. She was in labor for 24 hours. I wasn't ready to come out. It was the Sabbath. I didn't believe in that. <laughs> Y'all catch up here in a little while. <laughs> so I was born on a Monday during a snowstorm. I was complicated. Been challenging ever since. My wife could tell you. 
But when you think about work, you know what, Adam? God knew that you're going to need to work. God created you to work. Before Adam ever was, guess what? Adam's job was already there. Look back at Genesis chapter 2 with me. Look back in verse 5. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. What happened in verse 6? And the Lord God formed man. Before man was, his work was. And it was a purposeful work. In our day and age, give someone a job and they will work and complain. Give someone a purpose and they will die to self so that they can overcome. When most of us think of work, we think of a job. But God intended our work to be our purpose. At some point, humanity veered from the purpose that led to fulfillment in our state of work and understanding of work. And we went down the path of gain that leads to things and discouragement. At an early age, people are indoctrinated that things equal happiness. And we can look at our world today and say, things don't add up like that, do they? Go ahead and sit down, Adam. I'm lording over me back there. Our world has changed. And so we look at life and say, man, I wish I had this. I wish I was this. I wish I could do that. And God says, listen, from the beginning, how I set things up. He says, it's what you really want. It's the life that's put together. He says, face-to-face relationship with me and a purposeful work. You see, when we see Adam's work in Scripture, we see that Adam's work, his purpose was a result of God's dream. You know, God has a dream for you. God has a desire. When you were created, just as he made Adam and his fingerprints were all over Adam in the forming there of the clay, the Bible says that you were masterfully formed in the womb, that God, he had his fingerprint on you from the beginning. God desires a greater thing for you than what you have for yourself. You know what usually happens? We get in the way. Adam had a good thing going. Adam didn't have to pay taxes. Adam didn't work 25 for three months out of the year for Uncle Sam. Adam didn't have to worry about mosquitoes. What was he thinking? Adam didn't have to worry about being overweight. And people saying, oh my goodness, he needs to lose weight. I didn't have to worry about those things. And yet Adam made a decision. He chose One fruit from one tree. And he knew where it would lead. And man fell into sin. How in the world do we reverse things? We can't reverse the action of Adam. But we can be redeemed from the action of Adam through Jesus Christ. That's where Jesus said in John, you may have life. Well then how do we then not just get eternal life, but how do we get the abundant life that Adam had? He says, good, now you're thinking. He says, face-to-face relationship with me, and look at your work differently. Where you are today in your work is a result of your decisions. Don't get mad at the boss. Don't get mad at me for making that statement. Where we are today is because we made choices. You know what the awesome thing about that is? 
we still have the power to make choices. Adam's work, his purpose, was a part of God's dream. And as we see the perfection unfolding, Adam's purpose was executed by God's design. Dress the garden, keep the garden. Adam's purpose was to be maintained by God's direction. He gave him direction of every tree you may eat, of everything you may have. He says, I just don't want you to have of that one tree. And as we think about work this morning, you need to understand that work would be a source of fulfillment. Adam would have something that fulfilled him. He would protect that garden which would protect his family he would be able to maintain that garden which would feed his family his work was a source of fulfillment Adam's work would be the basis of his family's provision it would be the place where he would raise his children it would be the place where they made home it would be the place where their lives would grow together it would be a place of provision and Adam's work would be his designed reflection of God he says Adam this is how you're going to be like me You know, we think about this scenario and we don't really think about it in depth. The Bible says that God planted the garden. If you go to the New Testament, when Jesus prayed, he prayed in the garden. When Jesus died and he was buried, he was buried in a garden. And when he resurrected from the dead and Mary saw him the following or that Sunday morning, she supposed him to be the gardener. Guess what, Adam? You're a reflection of me. And you're getting to do what I love. God spoke everything else into creation but man and the garden. And God chose to plant the garden. Why? Because God loved it. And God allowed his son to do what he loved. That's amazing to me. That is, that's revolutionary to me. Because God created you to do something only you can do. Some of you, you're healers. You can help people. Some of you, you're teachers. You can teach people. Some of you are engineers. You can design and build. Some of you are plumbers that you can solve those problems and make our homes and lives wonderful. Some of you, you're air conditioner repairmen, and I love you. If you work in the air conditioning world, you are doing God's work. You are ordained. If not, I'll ordain you for that work. Hallelujah. Say, what are you saying? Go back to Genesis. These guys, they were all tent builders. That was what they did. That was their purpose. These guys were all musicians. That's what they did. Caleb and Mikey, they could jump on these pianos, Miss Susan, and they can do all these things. I jump on there and like, ding, 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 ding. That's about it. Some of you, you have gifts because God created you for a purpose. Your work is to be your purpose. Work was never to be a bad thing, a negative thing, a drudgery thing. Work was to be a fulfilling thing. It's where you touch lives and it's where you were God's reflection in that place. Because where you are, you're to be like Christ. Where you are, you're to be that image of love, goodness, kindness, forgiveness, and grace. Where you are, you're His reflection. You're carrying His light And through your actions, you amplify his truth. That's what work was for Adam. It wasn't just a drudgery. It wasn't a negative infliction. It wasn't a part of the curse. This is before sin entered the picture. This was a gift. This was God giving Adam a life that was put together. That life that said, you know what, Adam? To have a life that's put together, we're going to have a face-to-face relationship. But you know what else, Adam? He says, I love you so much, I I want you to share in what I do. I'm going to make you a gardener. (laughs) 
sitting there, I don't want to be a gardener. If God wants you to be a gardener, you ought to want to be a gardener. You ever had these people had a green thumb? And there's the people with the brown thumb. Amen. And then there's the miracle grow people. Glory, hallelujah. So I want you to be a gardener. You know, a lot of times our decisions are what we want and not what God wants. God, why did you let this happen? God's like, I created you to be a gardener. You're the guy who wants to go over there and do that. That's not my dream for you, Adam. That's not my desire for you. That's not my design. That's not my direction. You wonder why you hate your jobs? Because you're doing what you're not created to do. He says, you're to be a reflection of me where you are, doing what I created you to do through my strength and my spirit and my power. Too many times we're working in our own strength, doing what we want, and we don't like the outcome. How do we change that? How do we get back? How do we undo what has been done? Let me give you three things in just a few moments. The first thing is we need to ask God to change our heart about our work or surrender to God and ask Him to change us and our work. You got two choices. Choices led you to where you are. Choices will lead you elsewhere. You can either ask God, say, God, I don't really like where I am. I don't really like what I'm doing. So God, I need you to change my heart because I can't get out of this. I'm too far in. Some of you are that way. Say, I've got so many college things I've got to pay back, and I've been doing this, and this is just the path I'm on. I can't get out of this. Some of you are like, I'm six years from retirement. I'm in this for six more. I hate it. Okay, that's okay. You still have a choice. God still wants you to have an abundant life. God still wants you to be happy. Guess what? Ask God to change your heart about the work. That's what Saul said. Saul was coming to be king. He says, I don't have the heart for this. I don't want to do this, but God, they want me to do this. God, give me a heart for it. That was Saul. He's a rough character. You know what? God changed his heart. What about you? If you're somewhere and you know that you can't change courses in your work life, and you don't find a lot of purpose in it, ask God to change you. Change your heart. Now, you might be somewhere and you say, you know what? I've been here three months and I hate this. Surrender to God and let God direct you to what he created you to do. I'll go ahead and give you a little wisdom. I'll just up and quit your job before you have another one. Just FYI. Preacher said take a step of faith and quit your job. No, he didn't. Don't be stupid. There's a thin line between faith and foolishness. You keep, you suck it up, buttercup, and you keep in there, and you start surrendering to God. Say, God, change me and change my job. Y'all know my story. I worked for, thir- for 13 years at Food Lion. I was a manager for Food Lion. God had called me to preach at 14. I had went to seminary. Had my bachelor's degree in theology. Try taking that a lot of places. <laughs> what do you know? I know that the first five books of the Bentitude and the law, and I can tell you about Moses, and I can tell you about the... the yeah, the people are like, yeah, you can't do much here, can you? Like, no. <laughs> I wanted to be in full-time ministry. I wanted to be doing what I was doing. And it just seemed like every door I pursued, just, it would close. And I remember... Here in our retreat over in Richmond Avenue, 4 a.m. Finally, I was just begging. I said, God, I said, hey, I work with great people, but I hate my job. Because it wasn't what I was created to do. It wasn't what I was created to do. And God began to work. But you know what? I had to surrender. So you surrender preaching 14. I know, but guess what? I had the problem. 
I had a lot of pride. I had a lot of pride. You know what God hates more than anything? The top of the list. Pride. And I had a lot of it. I was cocky, arrogant. Still am, 25%. Still doing it the other side. You know, we'll work it out. Finally, I had to get to the point and say, God, I will do whatever you ask me to do. I said, if it's five people you want me to preach to, I said, I will love and preach my heart out to those five people. Just let me serve you. That's all he was waiting on. Matter of weeks, God just did amazing work. Became the youth pastor here at Roller Tree Baptist Church. Love them. Love these young people. Just nine months later, God said, you know what? Hey, you did pretty good. I'll let you be a pastor. Loving every minute. But for 13 years, I hated my job. And for 13 years, I didn't surrender my pride. And finally, I got there. What do you got to do? If you got to stay where you are, ask God to change you. If you don't have to stay where you are, and you can go elsewhere, keep staying where you are, but begin to ask God, submit yourself to God, surrender to God, and ask Him to change you and to open up the job. Secondly, we see in Scripture the principles that support this teaching. Ask God to manifest your spiritual, natural gifts where you are, so you can achieve more for His honor and work, and so you can find fulfillment and success in your daily work. You know, so many of us, we don't realize that we have spiritual gifts that God's equipped us for. You don't even know what you're good at. You don't even know what you're natural at. You don't even know what's instinctual. You don't even know what you ought to be doing. You need to ask God to begin to manifest that. God, make it clear. What, what am I supposed to do? What did you gift me to do? The Bible says all of us children are gifted for a purpose. So God has given you a gift. God has designed you to do things that no one else can do. I'm not designed to play the piano as much as I want to. I'm not designed to sing as much as I would love to sing. Uh, as much as I would. I, there are so many things I can't do. But there is one thing I can do. And it's what I'm doing. Yeah. You know what? Ask God to manifest those gifts. Make them clear. Let others see them. So that where you are, God begins to lift you up. And God begins to bless you. But also, let God see the motive of your heart. Motive is critical to God. If your motives are wrong, selfish, or self-serving, you will rot in that prison of your employment. But if you will let God have his way, he will relinquish you from those bonds and allow you through humility to rise above into a placement of his design. And lastly, make your workplace where you are right now, your mission field. Don't mount the break room table and preach. I don't highly recommend that unless you want to get fired. <laughs> don't go in there with a pocket full of gospel tracts, hand them out to every Joe you see. You know how you make your workplace your mission field? You begin to pray for your coworkers and your bosses. You begin to embody an example of Christianity. Stop telling the dirty jokes. Stop hanging out with those who tell them. Stop swearing when things don't go your way. Stop being like everybody else and start being the light and truth. Make your work a mission field. Guess what? People will see that change. And God will open doors for you to be a blessing to them. I was miserable at my job, but I knew that it was also my mission field. Because of that, I got to preach my boss's mother's funeral. And share the gospel with her whole family. 
Because of that, I've prayed with innumerable of my co-workers. I didn't go around there preaching at them, didn't tell them what they need to do to change their life, didn't try to convert them. God does those things. You just need to be the light. But you also have to determine your heart. It is your mission field. Make your work purposeful. Not just a paycheck. If you are where you are, make it abundant. If you're not going anywhere else, ask God to change you. If you can go somewhere else, stick it out. Let God work in you. Surrender to Him. And let God open the door. While you're there, let, ask God to manifest your gifts. So that way you could be a blessing to more and God can grow you. So you can see what you're meant to do. And then while you are where you are, make your work your mission field. Begin to be a testament by example. Be at work on time. Don't complain when you guys stay over. Don't fuss about the boss in front of other people. Go in the bathroom and do it. Or if you're like me, go in the freezer, shut the door behind you. and <laughs> Then come back out. Yeah. Ice cream freezer's the best place, man, I found. They could hear you at some of them other places, but you go in there, you can scream at the top of your lungs. No, I know. What are you doing in there? Checking inventory of my rage. <laughs> Make it your mission field. You know, God wants to do a work in you. Today, some of you, you say, I want my life to be more. It begins this morning, and it begins at an altar. It begins with you drawing close to God and you surrendering to God. Let's begin a new journey today. Let's begin a journey at least to abundant life, shall we? Would you bow your head?